I want you to turn with me to Psalm 65, if you would, please. Psalm 65. Five and a half months or so ago, we began a journey that none of us were ready for. We've had this event on our calendar, and uh, we've planned. The only thing that we planned for this year that actually has happened as we planned is today. Everything else, we've had to clear our calendar. It's nothing that we've planned, uh, we have done. Matter of fact, in December, I got up in front of our church and we laid out this 2020 vision and uh, 2020 was going to be the year that we began to implement that vision. And we sit here in August and the last five and a half, six months have been different. All of our lives, everybody's lives has been affected. Our nation, our entire world has been affected by this pandemic. But we're back. We're back. We're as a church, Christ church stayed strong, and we are so thankful for that. The gospel still saves, and we're thankful for that. And I thank God today for his church, and I thank God today for this church, Monclova Road Baptist Church, and the people here of this church. And you know this, we went online. Um, we thought maybe for the next two weeks we'll go online and that happened, that lasted a lot longer than we thought. And I want to just thank so many people today. I, I, was, I, I intended on bringing people up. I was gonna, I told the staff, I, I'm gonna just thank people for all that they did while we were going through the pandemic. We had people that were on video cameras every week. We had people working the, the sound system. We had people coming in every week while we were online and singing. We then moved to the parking lot. We had a tractor trailer, a flatbed out there, and, and uh, uh, Greg Corbett got us a, a tractor trailer. And we preached on that tractor trailer. We'd go from online, come outside real quick, and we would sing parking lot, would have cars in it. People were happy to see each other. And so many people have served. And I, I wanted to bring everyone up until I asked the staff, give me, a, give me the names of everyone that served. And I think they gave me 98 people. I thought there was about six of you. They gave me 98 people that have served through the pandemic, that sang, that worked behind video cameras, that, that helped us stay as a church, people that served. We, we um, uh, decided this, we were not going to just let this defeat us. We were not going to just sit back and say, well, when this is over, we'll get back to church. We were determined that we weren't going to let this opportunity, and I know you think, well, no one looked at the pandemic as an opportunity. We did. We looked at it as an opportunity to get the gospel to our community. We looked at it as an opportunity, and we began to think of ways that we could, we could help people and point people to Christ. And in our church raised over $45,000. That's above every other giving, specifically over $45,000 so that we could help people that had great needs during this time. That was what you did. 
We fed 30 families, not just one time, every single week. We would go out, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Taylor was overseeing this. He'd go to the, he'd go to the food store, and he'd have, he'd have uh, um, uh, carts and pushing peanut butter and, and jelly and bread and, and uh, uh, lunches, and we would go and purchase food, and then we would have church members that would come and put it in bags, and then we would deliver it to 30 families every single week for several months during this pandemic. These were families where children were going to school, and that's where they were getting their source of food, and they were no longer going to school. And each of those we began to have a relationship with and, and would give them the gospel and, and gave them literature to read and gave them the book done and, and, and uh, were, were able to minister to these families because of this church. And we want to thank God for that. We gave thousands of dollars to people that were waitresses and waiters. Our staff went to restaurants and said, would you just give us the, a list of names of waitresses or waiters that you had to lay off? And, and uh, we didn't want any other personal information. We simply came back with those names and brought them into our, our accounting office and they wrote checks that from money that you gave to help them. And we had an opportunity to sit with many people. Matter of fact, just this past week, one of our staff members were able to talk to uh, another family that we helped during that time and once again be a blessing to that family because you gave, because you determined the church was not going to sit quiet. We were not going to just wait for this to pass. We were going to take every opportunity we possibly can to give the gospel and show the love of Christ. You paid people's mortgages. You brought groceries to families that had needs. You fed hundreds of police officers. We're still getting letters on a weekly basis or emails on a weekly basis. 600 police officers in Toledo we fed and gave the gospel to and gave them the, the book done that they could read and get a clear plan of salvation. Perrysburg Township and White House and Waterville Township and Maumee. I was able to talk to each one of those police chiefs of each of those townships and cities that we were able to help, and they were overwhelmed with the compassion that you showed. I sat with one police officer on the phone and, and uh, asked him, I said, would you please read that book done? And if you had a few moments, I'd like to just kind of tell you what it was about. And he let me for about 15 minutes while we were on the phone, he let me present the gospel to him. He said, listen, I'm going on vacation next week. I promise you that I'll take that book done and I will read that book done. Following week, he emailed me and he said, I watched or I, I listened. I wanted you to understand. I heard what you said. I read that book done. I believe what you told me and what's in that book. It's because as a church, you were not going to sit silent. We were going to take every single opportunity we could. In the beginning of it, this was one that it was a lot of fun. We went and we were going to give, I think we were going to give 100 pizzas out. We just went to Maumee. This is when it first started. We knew people were kind of concerned. We just said, you know what? People started having to lose jobs, stay home. We were just going to feed them. First hundred people that came through, we, we'd give them a pizza at, at uh, Little Caesars there in Maumee, and, and uh, we set up a tent, and, and uh, before that uh, event, 
we said we're going to feed 100, and somebody said, well, why are we going to stop at 100? And we said, I don't know. We, we don't know how much money we have to spend. They said, well, we're going to do a, another 100. We said, great, we're going to give out 200. In a couple days before we went, somebody, a church member called and said, why are we only doing 200? And, and I knew the answer that this time. I said, because we didn't have the money. And they said, good, let's do another 50. I think before we were finished, I think it was about 310 was total that was bought and paid for and we gave into our community. And people were just coming through and thanking us. And along with that, we'd give them a, a gospel track and, and invite them to church. And what a great outreach that was. Our church wrote 600 personal letters to police officers. We had a community night here. How many of you were here on that community night? A couple of you. We had food trucks that were out here. This place was packed. I'd say to my wife, who's that? She says, I have no idea who that, who, who that is. Who's that? I don't know. Well, this place was packed and only four of you raised your hand and said you were here. So imagine all the people that were here. We had no idea who was here. This, this tent was packed out underneath where you're at, underneath the tent, uh, out from underneath the tent was packed. And Pastor Cox got up here and for 15 or 20 minutes gave the gospel to a packed field and tent full of people, our neighbors. We served them and we loved them and we just had a great time. All of this, while the world is in chaos, We've had people hear the gospel under this tent, and we've had people receive the gospel. People that would come and hear the gospel preach, and at the end we give an invitation, and simply we invite people to know Christ, to receive Christ, uh, uh, repent of their sin, and turn to Jesus Christ. We invite them to do that, and in several weeks under this tent, we've had people raise their hand and say, I want to know Christ as my Savior. We praise the Lord for all that he's done. Would you turn with me, look with me in Psalm 65 this morning? Psalm 65, there's a song of David. Here's King David is writing. And if, if King David knows of living through problems, if there's a man, it's David. David was just simply minding his business. He was a, a shepherd uh, keeping his father's sheep and, and uh, 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 just one of the youngest in his home and, and not really having great aspirations and probably would just be fine being obedient and keeping his father's sheep. But God had great plans for David and David's life changed. It turned upside down. David went from being at home to, to being at a battle now and, and Goliath is standing there, this just giantess standing there taunting uh, uh, the, the army of Israel and David in his heart and he comes out of his lips says is there not a cause he wants to see in in the in the midst of difficulty in the midst of a battle he wants to see God glorified and he's willing to do something about it he's willing to put himself out there so God can use him 
And from that point forward, David then is running from the king and he's hiding. He's had to leave his home. He's had to leave his country. He's hiding and running for his life because the king Saul is, is desiring to kill him. David goes through major uh, bouts of depression and, and, and dealing with uh, anxiety. He says this, he says, I'm going to surely die by the, the hands of the Philistines. He had given up on life. He thought there was no, no end to this pain. But one thing I love about David, David, he turns back to the Lord. And I want you to see here, he says in verse number one of chapter 65, praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. And unto thee shall the vow be performed. David starts out, he says, praise waiteth for thee. David's gone through a difficult time, but David always knows that God is worthy of praise, that he's worthy of thanksgiving. And he says, it waiteth for thee. He says in verse number four, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. I want you to see this morning, first of all, I'm going to just quickly give you a few things and we're going to get right into our contra this morning. But I want you to know this, that God satisfies. This world leaves you longing. This world leaves you empty. We've all seen this over the last several months. We, there's, there's confusion and there's suffering. But I want you to know this morning that God satisfies. This world is in despair. It seems lost, but there is someone who satisfies, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ restores. Jesus Christ heals. Jesus Christ mends the broken hearts. Jesus Christ saves that lost soul. He satisfies. The, the, the psalmist here, he understands. He says, the praise waiteth for God, and he brings the attention back, and in his despair, in times of needs, he realizes that it's God who satisfies. Oh, listen today, as we rejoice in who God is, as we come together today, just simply in thanksgiving and in praise, and we wait on the Lord and we give him what is due today, I hope that you understand that he satisfies. Maybe there's some here today that are anxious, that are dealing with discouragement. Maybe there's some here that this pandemic has really challenged your, your job, your finances, your health. Maybe there's some situations that you're dealing with and you're not sure where to turn. I would suggest today that you turn to the only one that satisfies his name is Jesus Christ. He restores that broken soul, that broken heart. He restores marriages. He takes those that are steeped in sin, that thinks that they're lost and undone and, and no good, and he gives them a purpose to life. That one that is, is uh, broken, he heals. He's mended broken marriages. He saved the worst of sinners. He satisfies Oh, today, if you would just get the fact that God satisfies. Our goal today is just lift up the name of Jesus, exalt him, give praise to who it's due to today, and understand that he satisfies. I want you to see with me, follow along, if you would, in verse number six this morning, which by his strength set us fast the mountains being girded with power. It's his strength that set us fast, fast the mountains. 
How many of you ever been out of Ohio and you actually saw a mountain? Huh? I mean a real mountain. Do you realize this? It was God, simply his word, that formed that mountain. Now, I, I understand that there's some that would ha- cause you to believe that there were these two atoms that were floating out in the middle of nowhere and they collided together and there was this bang and then, and then other things happened and, and then over the course of billions of years, we have mountains. And, and that, that we came from you know, these, these uh, pond that how the water got there, it just all came from that bang. And, and there was these two little frog-like things that, that came together that grew legs and went into a tree and grew arms and came on the, to, to begin to walk and begin to crawl. And, and here we are today. Someone thinks that that actually makes sense. But the Bible says this in Genesis 1, that God created. He simply said with his word, let there be a mountain. And guess what? There was a mountain. And it stays there because of the strength of God. Every planet that was formed was formed by the word of God. He simply said, let there be a sun. And he hung that sun there in space. It's not attached to anything. It's there because of God's word. It stays there because of God's strength. Every mountain, the Bible says, setteth fast because of God's word being girded with power. Oh, listen to me, look at creation. You know what you see? That there's a God that is in control. And if there's a God that can keep the sun floating in outer space without anything attached, if he can keep the moon in outer space with it attached to nothing, if he can keep the world circling and going round, if he can form the mountains and they stay there by his power, oh, listen to me, he is in control and he can take care of every event in your life. Every event, I want you to see this secondly, that he is in control. Things seem crazy. Things seem out of control. But oh, today, listen to me, let's thank him for being a God that is in control. In verse number seven, which sitteth uh, uh, still at the noise of the seas, the noise of the waves. You know what I find here? He calms our fears. He, he quiets the noise. Today, I hope that you'll come here today and let God quiet the noise of your life. Let him quiet the fears. I'm reminded of that story when Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and that great storm comes up there at the Sea of Galilee and he's asleep and he's resting because he's God and he is in control and the disciples are concerned and they're worried and they say, Jesus, you got to get up. You got to do something. And he simply gets up and he says, peace, be still. He didn't have to do anything other than just simply speak and that storm was silenced. Oh, listen to me today. He is in control, and you might be experiencing a storm, but there's no storm too great that God is not in control over. You know what I've understood and realized over these last several months? This pandemic has shaken things. It has caused distress. It has caused fears. It has caused great noise. But God is in control and he is worthy of praise. He comforts the anxious soul. Look with me in verse number nine. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enricheth it. 
with the rivers of God, which are, is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou, 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 thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths. Oh, listen to me. He cares. God did not create all of this and then turn his back and say, guess what? You're on your own. Every time it rains, it rains because God is in control. He cares. He feeds. He nourisheth. He adds to you. He never runs dry. I, I like that verse. It says this, how greatly enriches it with the river of God. You know what that means? It comes from his hand. He enriches our lives. He never runs dry. He never runs empty. He never runs out. I'll be honest, I, this week I was a little nervous. I, you know, on days like this, you never know what to expect. So we want to feed people. The last thing I want is someone to, to wait in line for three hours. No, it won't, it won't be that long, I promise. I don't want you to wait in line. And then could you imagine getting up to the truck today? I mean, you're watching people drool with their barbecue sandwich and their coleslaw and their 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 mac and cheese and they're walking past you and you're like oh 50 more people 40 more people two more people and you get up there and the guy says closed sorry we're out they only bought 999 and you are 1000 we're out of food i've worried about that I have. I, I said to, to Pastor Cox, I said, you make sure they have extra food that we don't have to pay for if we don't need, but you make sure they have extra food. And he said, how many to prepare for? I said, I don't know. Just don't run out. I'm afraid. But you know what? God never runs out. Today, whatever your need is, God will supply He'll nurture you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't own the thousand cattle on the hill. He owns the hills the cattle are on. He nurtures you. He cares for you. He's involved. Thou visiteth the earth. You know what that tells us? That he is involved in what's happening on this earth. When we think things are spiraling out of control, they're just coming into place. Thirdly, and I'm done, look with me in verse number uh, one of chapter 66. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Make a joyful noise. Now, some of you, when you get to heaven, you're going to realize we're able to rejoice. Some of you are going to lift your hands in heaven. Now, you'd never do it here on earth. You'd never do it because you don't be radical. Some of you, and we're going to be able to do this, I don't know how, in our heavenly bodies, we're going to be able to lift both hands and both feet. Same time. It's in the book somewhere, I, I think. We're going to be able to rejoice. Matter of fact, let's just try that. I, I, I don't want to get too radical. Everyone just lift one hand and say, praise the Lord. Don't get too radical. Come on now. 
How about both hands say, praise the Lord. You, you know what? Here he says this. The psalmist says, I will make a joyful noise unto God, all ye land. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Thirdly, would you write this down? We need to learn to rejoice. Make his name glorious. I hope every time you come to Monclova Road Baptist Church that we are making his name glorious. I hope the person next to you today sang with such passion. It might not have sounded real good, but it was a joyful noise to the Lord. I hope they sang with some such passion that you looked and said, you can't sing worth your salt, but guess what? Whatever you got, I want. Whatever you got, I need. We need to learn to rejoice. We need to get our eyes off of us. And we need to get our hearts on him. Say unto God, how terrible thou art in thy works. Though the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. Don't miss that. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. You know what that means? God always wins. He always wins. Oh, listen to me. Sin might seem like it's rampant. It might seem like things are spiraling out of control. God always wins. There's going to be a trump that sounds, and those that are dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those that have trusted Christ as your Savior, we're going to rise. And we're going to meet him in the air, and we're going to be with him forever. And Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, comfort one another with these words. Oh, listen to me, the world's going to get worse problems are going to come. What you see happening is going to happen. The Bible tells us the world's going to wax worse. The Bible tells us that there's going to be anger and hatred. The Bible tells us what you see on the evening news is going to happen. But lift up your eyes because a redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming again. Oh, church, let's learn to rejoice. Let's learn to lift our voice up. Let's learn when it's time to sing, to exalt our voices. When it's time to speak, let's speak about Jesus. Let, when it's time to witness, let's tell of his love and his mercy and his salvation. But let's learn to rejoice. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to trust him so you can learn how to truly rejoice. Jesus Christ came to this earth 100% God, sinless. He lived a sinless life and he went to the cross and he shed his blood on the cross as a payment for your sin. There was no other way that your sins could be paid for outside of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Religion can't save you. Good works can't save you. Giving a million dollars in the offering won't save you. We'll take it, but it won't save you. Sorry, only Jesus Christ will. He shed his blood. That blood was acceptable payment, the only acceptable payment for mankind's sin. Jesus Christ was placed in that empty tomb. Three days later, he rose again from the dead, conquering death, offering you everlasting life. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The Bible says, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every single person here can be saved. The Bible says every single one of us are sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Oh, today, would you repent of your sin? Would you turn from your sin and turn to Christ in the cross today? Would you accept that free gift of salvation and be gloriously saved?